holy huddles. So uh, girls are going to be with the girls. The man going to be with the man. Okay? And they're going to just going to huddle and pray together. Okay? You're going to pray for whatever needs you might need. Um, just just whatever needs you have. Ask your partner to pray for you. If you want to intercede for the city, if you want to pray for a particular person, just bring it up. This is a time to pray right now. So we want to start out with holy huddles. So whoever can hear me in the back, we're starting prayer. All right.
we can just come up to the front as we start to worship the Lord in this place. His presence is here. The beautiful thing about God is when we call on his name, he comes. We don't have to beg him. We don't have to plead like, Jesus, come. He comes when we say, Jesus. from your heart tonight that no matter what happens we are coming after him come on mean it today 
no matter what obstacle, no matter what something bad happens in our life, you tell Jesus today that you will come after him. God tonight, so let's encounter God right now.
just encounter God right now. This is encounter night, Father. Lord Almighty, Lord God, we want you. We're desperate for you, God. We cry out to you. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. We're in need of a touch from heaven. We're in need of a touch, Lord God. Father, you are good. You satisfy. There is none like you. Come on, begin talking to you, to your God. Begin talking to the Lord. Tell him how good is he. Praise him. Worship him because he is worthy to be praised and worshiped. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. We bless you. Hallelujah, Jesus. And I will follow you. follow him. Tell him from the bottom of your heart. I will follow you. This is your prayer time with God.
will separate you. You got to declare that nothing's going to keep you away from following God. Nothing will hinder you from following God. If you stay hungry and you keep seeking to encounter the living God and the touch from Him like you're feeling right now, His presence, His love over you, you know that you'll never leave Him. You know that you're going to keep going forward. You know you're going to keep going forward because He is your strength. He is your confidence. He is your strong tower. He is your fortress. He surrounds you like a shield. He surrounds you like, like, like wings. He covers you. You are the apple of his eyes to him. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, come on. Give God a last praise and worship. Tell him one more time. Tell him one more time. Tell him one more time. You will never go back. ourselves back to our seats say hi to your neighbor give your neighbor a hug welcome to encounter night where we you're here to encounter God you're here just to give it all out you're here to just pour your heart out to him and receive from God and what he has for you tonight as we prepare ourselves for the word tonight just want to remind you here at Metro Praise, our main service are Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Wednesdays we have Encounter at 7, and on Fridays we have the youth service at 7.30. Our vision here is to love God and to love people. Jesus says that's the greatest command, love God and love your neighbor. Our strategy is, is to connect, mentor, and send. Before I get to the strategy, I want to talk to you about our goal is to have 100,000 disciples, 50 churches here in Chicago, and 500 all over the world. If you believe that can happen, say amen. But if you didn't say amen, you're going to say amen now because our strategy to make that happen is to connect you to Jesus, meant to you to live like Jesus, and send you out to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to impact this world for the kingdom of God and bring souls to heaven with you. If you believe that, say amen. Praise the Lord. We believe in tithes and offerings. The 10% of your total income goes to God. Because he has blessed you with a job. He has blessed you with 100% of, you know, your gross. So you, 10%, he's only asking for 10% goes to him. If you consider this your church, you can drop your, your 10% on the, on the drop box here behind the sanctuary. And we have another one in the student center. And if you feel giving an offering from your heart, 
Uh, we receive offerings. That's whatever you feel to let to give. And that goes to our missions. That goes to whatever other ministries we have here as well. So I would just like to pray for that offering. And if you're giving, you can go ahead and give to Dropbox right now. So let's close our heads and, uh, I mean, let's close our eyes. <laughs> let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we just pray over the offerings and tithes, Father. We ask that you bless every giver, God. And, Lord, Father, we pray, Lord God, for those that are giving, Lord, that you bless them, you favor them at their jobs. And whatever needs they, they might have, Father, we ask that you meet their needs in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Praise God. Who's worried for the word tonight? Amen. So here we go. We're glad to have Jared Walker tonight to share the word for us. Yeah. Woo. Um, uh, some of you know me. A lot of you don't know me. My name is Jared uh, with the leadership here in Metro Praise. I got saved here about three and a half years ago through the evangelism ministry. Uh, long story short, God took a hold of my life, and he rocked me, and I've never been the same since. And that just brings me to this pulpit tonight. If you have any questions about where I'm from, where I've been, uh, you know, you can ask me after the service. But uh, we really just want to get into the Word of God tonight. Uh, if you could turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55. Now, we're going to focus on two verses out of this chapter, but we're going to read the whole thing. Here's why. Isaiah 55 is what I call a life verse. Everyone say life verse. You might ask, well, what's that? A life verse is different for everybody. Isaiah 55, as a young Christian in my room reading this, God spoke to me through this scripture. All right, guys? I was reading it alone in my room. My face was, was numb. I felt the Holy Ghost. I spoke in tongues and prophesied. And every verse, every word of this came alive to me. So this is a life verse. This is something I hold dear in my heart, and if you think about it, some of you have been saved for a while. You have life verses in your heart, those scriptures that you always look back to, those times where God spoke to you. Isaiah 55 gave me vision. Everyone say vision. And it's one of the reasons I'm in ministry today, so the reason I want to read it is I want to share it with you and have it touch you the way God uh, touched me through it. So we're just going to read the whole thing, but before I do, I want to preface, give a little context. I want to say context. I want to say exegesis. And we say, oh my. Isaiah the prophet lived in the 8th century B.C. He lived in Judah. He prophesied to the people of his time, uh, you know, concerning the current events of that age. He preached to them. He preached to Israel, get right with God. God will send Assyria to wipe you out if you don't repent. Even though he lived in the 8th century, he prophesied about things happening in the 6th century, 200 years after him. Now, same thing. He's telling now Judah, now Judah repent because Babylon's going to wipe you out. if You don't live for God if you don't repent, if you don't turn from your eyes. So he's he's looking 200 years into the future and he looks another 700 years. Now he's looking at Jesus. Isaiah talks about Jesus. Did you know that? 700 years before he came, read Isaiah 53, read Isaiah 40, 42, 49, talking about the servant of God. He talks about the ministry of Jesus and how he suffered and paid for our sins at the cross. He talks about an intimate detail. And he talks about something that we're in right now. I'm going to say we're in it. It's called the church age or the messianic age. This is what we're in now. Between Jesus' first coming and Jesus' second coming is what we call the church age. So we're in the middle of the church age. A lot can be said about the church age, but here's four distinctives of the church age. One, 
Everyone can worship God through Jesus Christ. That's Jews and Gentiles. Once upon a time, it was only Jews, but now Gentiles. That means Italians, African-Americans, all types of people can worship Jesus. Are you following? Two, God fills everybody with the Holy Ghost. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, everyone who's a believer, God will live inside of you. God will baptize you in his Holy Spirit when you ask for it. He didn't do that before, but he does that now in the church age. Three, the church age is the Great Commission age. That means the church age will not end. Jesus will not come back until the whole world has been preached to, until we've made disciples of all nations. So that's, that is the mission. That is why the church age is the church age, because it's the church spreading throughout the earth. Four, the church age is, it, it, Jesus said it like this. He said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not overcome. The church age will always have a witness on the earth. We think of the Roman Catholic Church. We think, oh, those, that church down there, they're all hypocrites. Forget the hypocrites. Forget the phonies. There will always be a church. The gates of hell will not overcome. Is Jesus a liar? Jesus is not a liar. He said he would build his church. The gates of hell will not overcome. You look through the centuries. You look through church history. You look through world history. There's always been a witness for God in the earth. This is the age we're in now. And the reason I said all that, and, and I could go, Isaiah talks about heaven. He talks what it will, about what it'll be like when Jesus comes back. He talks about a time when the wolf will lay down with the lamb, when an infant will play with a cobra and a viper and he won't be harmed. He talks about such a sense of peace and harmony between men. It says there would be no more wars. In, in the animals, they wouldn't harm each other. Babies would play with snakes for crying out loud. That's when Jesus comes back. So Isaiah's even looking at that. reason I said all that is because I want you to understand this applies to us. Everyone say, it's, it's for me. I believe Isaiah's talking about the church age. I believe he's, uh, uh, it applies to us today. Isaiah 55, this particular passage. Why? Because he addresses nations and peoples. He's referring to Gentiles. Only in the church age are the Gentiles being reached. Do you follow? So we're just going to read this whole chapter. I want you to close your eyes and pretend I'm the audio Bible. I'm just going to read this. Let God bless you. I'm telling you, God rocked my socks off when I read this. So close your eyes, bow your heads. Father, we pray you bless this word. Speak to your people in Jesus' name. Everyone, eyes closed. Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you. It, because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are, your my, uh, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, 
and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree, and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign which will, now, which will not be destroyed. We say amen. Hallelujah. So I submit to you, Isaiah 55 is for us. Everyone say it's for me. Okay. It's for us right now. It's for you and me in this room. It's for us in the church age. Everyone say church age. Do this with your lips. Isaiah 55. God is saying, come all who are thirsty. And if you don't have any money, come anyway. God is giving an open invitation. Jesus said it is finished at the cross. Why? He accomplished everything we could never do. And he gave us access to God. It's an open heaven. From Jesus' first coming to Jesus' second coming, it's an open heaven. And I just believe, especially in this hour, we want to take from verses 6 and 7, we want to take from this chapter some truths that apply to us right now. That God is especially close. He's been close. He's been pouring out. He's been sending revivals at different times. He's been raising up leaders. He's been loving on people, healing the brokenhearted, healing the sick, raising the dead throughout the ages. But I believe right now he's fixing to do something big. You know say He's big. Is big. Come on. How many have heard of uh, Jesus culture? They had the big convention, conference, all-state arena, 15,000 on-fire Christians worshiping the Lord, receiving just these, these exhortations to live radical, to sell out for Jesus, to win Chicago for Jesus. You see, I'm aware of abortion statistics. I'm aware of the homosexual agenda poisoning people's minds. I'm aware that there's false religions. I've seen more J-dubs, Jehovah's Witnesses on the street than I see Christians. I'm aware that the devil is messing. I'm aware that there's deception. I'm aware there's hurt. There's broken families. I'm aware that, that from outside appearance, it would seem that the devil's winning. At the same time, I'm greatly encouraged. I am greatly blessed to see something like Jesus culture. I'm greatly blessed to see a movement to touch the nation and get people on fire. How many heard of the call? You know the call. A man named Lou Engel, uh, one of the founders of IHOP International House of Prayer in Kansas City. He converges with other Christian leaders throughout the nations, and then they gather their flocks, and it's hundreds of thousands of Christians. Every year they gather in Washington, D.C., by the Washington Monument, by that pool, and they pray and they fast and they intercede for our nation every year. Hundreds of thousands of Christians. Now, I want you to think about that. That's touching us in ways you don't realize. You think that many people praying has an effect? You think that many people crying out to God, humbling themselves before the Lord uh, is, is getting his ear? We don't know. I don't want to be too speculative here. I don't want to, you know, you know, get into wars and rumors of wars and conspiracy theories. But I believe fervent prayers, fervent prayers like those at the call. And that's a biblical mandate. It's in Joel 2. I'll show you later if you want. 
like those in the call, are holding off our nation from calamity. I'll, I'll get into the calamity in a second, but it's holding off our nation. Who knows what, what kind of disaster we averted because those men prayed, spare our nation. Who knows what kind of men and women have been raised up because, God, because they prayed, God, send workers. Who knows who's been saved because they were crying out, God, save our families, God, save our communities. See, prayers make a difference, friend. And that, to me, says God is near. Because th they don't do that by osmosis. Most people don't have it within themselves to pray. It's, it doesn't come natural as it, it hurts our flesh. For that many people to come together to pray, for that kind of movement to be assembled is a move of God. God is near right now. The call, Jesus culture, all these things, that's just telling me that God is near, that he's fixing. I want to say fixing to do something big. How many heard of uh, Fire Church, Dr. Michael Brown? Amen. Now, they're about revival. They're about, like, social revolution. One of the big things they're on, and it's not like they have this trip or a chip on their shoulders, but what they have going on right now is they confront the homosexual uh, agenda, the activist agenda that seeks to put Christians in the closet, glorify and celebrate homosexual behavior, put it in our schools, indoctrinate us with it while calling Christians bigots and hate mongers. And they confront it. Their motto, reach out and resist. Reach out to the gay community with love and compassion. Resist gay activism with courage. So that's what they do. Do you think God raised them up? I think so. Do you think God has an answer for the homosexual agenda? Do you think the devil's going to raise up a whole, a whole, a whole generation in, in sexual insanity and God's not going to do anything about it? God's doing something about it. Fire church, that, that to me says God's doing something about it. It says he's near because he, he, he doesn't owe us anything. Let's get that in our minds, people. As a, as, as a people, I want to get into that in a minute, expound on that. But get this in our minds. As individuals and as, and as a nation, God doesn't owe us anything but death and hell. But he sends workers and he sends his Holy Spirit. Come on, can I get an amen? Can I get a glory? God is good. How many of you heard of Metro Praise? How many, how many know that a church that wants to raise up 100,000 disciples, 50 churches in Chicago, 500 around the world, we already got 200. How many know that's a move of God? How many know that Pastor Joe, when he was, had four people in his apartment and he was still believing that vision and still teaching that vision from day one, that was a move of God? God is near. God doesn't owe Chicago anything, but he's close to Chicago. I don't get it, guys. I really don't get it. I don't understand why God would why God hasn't wiped us off the map a long time ago I don't understand how he would raise up a school like SUM when so many Bible colleges turned into liberal arts colleges and they turn out backslidden pastors and he raises up a church like SUM and they raise up cohorts. Let me just explain our structure a little bit. Main campus in Oakland, they partner with churches so they're able to put college campuses all over the nation. And all over their nation, they're reproducing that vision. And all over the nation, in different cities, they're, they're raising up workers. Not just, you know, coffee-drinking Sunday morning pastors, but radicals, preachers, prayer warriors. Come on, somebody. It's raising up an army. God doesn't owe us SUM. That's a gift. That's a blessing from God. I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. I'm befuddled. 
right now, God is so close to us. God is doing so much in our midst. And we've had it for years and years and years. We've been a nation, you know, as they say, founded on the word of God. Many of our, our founding fathers, God-fearing, our Congress still prays. We still put our hand on the Bible uh, to, to swear on oath in our public offices and, and in courts. We were a nation that's founded on God, and we're a nation that's turned away from God. I, I'm just shocked. One of the things I got from this, God is very near. Just looking at the sign, God is so close. I, I don't understand it. We don't deserve his nearness. Let me ask you something. Now, I love everybody. I'm going to say, I love everybody. Now, Berto is my, one of my best friends in the whole world, and, um, and he's Mexican. I'm going to get racial here, but let's say, oh, I don't like Mexican people. I don't like Mexican people, and I just offend him, and I just make every bad joke, and I, and, and I do every obscene thing that offends him, and I make fun of him behind his back, and let's say we were roommates, and we were roommates, you know? I, like, spit on his pillow, do all this nasty stuff, spill his coffee. Would, would he want to be around me? But we have offended God day after day after day after day after day with, with foul sin, secret sins, not even secret anymore. You're the stuff on the radio. Lord, have mercy if you listen to B90. So just put that out there. I'm not damning anyone to hell. It's not my place. But B96, that's, uh, that's, that's not godly. Do you think Jesus would listen to that stuff? You think Jesus likes Lil Wayne? You think Jesus likes the Kardashian girls and what they do and what they represent? No. We have a culture that offends God, and we love it. We love what offends God. So would Berto want to be my friend if I offend him day after day after day? No. That's why, do you get this? This is a privilege. This is an honor. We should be humbled. God is with us, and we don't deserve it. Everyone turn to uh, Amos. If you don't know where Amos is, say, oh, my. Amos chapter 8, verse 11. One of God's judgments, as you look in the patterns in the Bible, is that he actually takes away his word. Did you know that? The Bible says uh, in Romans 1, for instance, it says, you know, God's wrath is being revealed to heaven, talks about how people are sinful, how they reject God, and then it talks about how God gives them over to those things they want instead of him. So in essence, God isn't sending down uh, brimstone like he did on Sodom and Gomorrah, but he's giving you over to your sin, and he's backing away. And his voice is knocking at your door, gets quieter and quieter. His wooing gets quieter and quieter. Your, your, your annoying cousin who kept trying to preach to you, he stops reaching out to you. He's just figuring you, you don't want to hear it. Come on, somebody. And, and that's what God does. God's judgment is, is, is a lack of God. It's a lack of God's people. It's a lack of its word, of, of his word. And now if only I can find Amos. I'm going to say, help the preacher. Jesus. It's in the minor prophets. You have Nahum, Obadiah. I'm going to say Obadiah, Micah. Glory. It's next to Micah? Thank you. All right. Praise the Lord. Isaiah, uh, Amos, verse 11. 
of chapter 8. The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land. Not a famine of food or of thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east, scratching, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. He talked about a day of his judgment. Everyone say judgment. The worst judgment that could happen in your life. You know you messed up. I believe God's grace is for anyone. And if you're away from God, you can get close like that. You can cry out to Jesus and be saved. But what just a, one of the biggest judgments in your life is when you had people witnessing to you and they don't, they don't witness anymore. Is when you felt conviction against sin and you felt a need for God and you don't feel it anymore. We don't see that corporately. The, the word I'm talking about more applies to us as a church, as a nation. We don't have a famine of the word by any means. You have 24-hour Christian television, 24-hour Christian radio, Christian bookstores. Come on, somebody. There, and, and you listen to that stuff, and they're always giving invitations. Get right with Jesus. Get right with Jesus. Get right with Jesus. You know, the, the preacher David Wilkerson went home to be with the Lord. He talked about the worm that never dies, that worm in hell that digests your flesh, and he never dies. He just keeps eating you and eating you and eating you. And he talked about it was like, he said it was, he says you're in hell, and then you find yourself back in your life on earth, back there with your family at the coffee table, watching Billy Graham on TV. How many know Billy Graham? Famous evangelist, had a lot of stuff on television, right? You find yourself watching Billy Graham. You find yourself here at a Metro Praise service. You find yourself at a high school and someone's preaching to you and telling you about Jesus. You find and you're on the phone with your brother and he's in tears telling you, be right with God. And having been in hell, you know better to say yes this time. Having experienced the torment of being separate from God, you know better uh, to say yes this time. But before you can utter those words, Jesus save me. Billy Graham's on TV, son, if you just believe in Jesus today. Poof, you're back in hell. You're back in torment. You have so many chances. We have so many chances, and we've blown it. By and large, we've blown it. We've had so many chances to hear the word of God. You turn on television anytime. You turn on radio anytime. You can go to any church, any array of churches. We got some church tasters, church hoppers. You have your selection of churches, your gourmet churches for you connoisseur Christians. You have a choice. What are you going to do with that? God's going to hold us accountable for what we did with his word. As it is, his word is still abundant. Everyone say it's abundant. It's here. And that's good. It's good that he's here. It's good that we have Moody Radio. It's good that we have a lot of different churches around the sea. It's good that we have SUM. It's good that we have the call and prayer worries. It's good. Everyone say it's good. I, I, again, I am befuddled. We don't deserve it. Turn with me to Jeremiah. We're just going to get to the last point here. Uh, Lauren, could you come up, please? Are you here? Okay, she's getting Lauren. Praise the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 1. There's going to come a time. 
again, I don't want to get too speculative and give you dates. It's just not what I'm about. It's just what I, f- what I feel in my spirit and what's been observed is that our sins would offend God so much that he says it's too late. Now, as I read it, he talks about Moses and Samuel. How many know who Moses and Samuel are? I'll explain that in a second. Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, my heart would not go out to this people. Send them from my presence. Let them go. Somebody. Even if Moses and Samuel were to stand before me, as it is, we have 100,000 people in Washington, D.C. pleading for our butts. As it is, we're here on Wednesday nights pleading for our city, pleading for our families. Now, Moses and Samuel were especially known as intercessors. Everyone say intercessors. They were known every time they would stand before God. God would be angry with the sin of, of Israel, and he was going to judge them. He was just going to do it on the spot. That's his choice. That's his prerogative. He can do that. You sin, he can judge you. And he was going to judge Israel. But each time, Moses would step in saying, God, don't do it. And in Samuel's day, Samuel would step in and say, God, don't do it. And they had such a close relationship to God, and they knew God so well that he would listen to them. But now he says, even if Moses and Samuel were to stand, I wouldn't, my heart does not go out to these people. He says, let them go. Let them have their... their, life without me let them have their sin and their judgment let them have it i'm not going to listen anymore there would come a time in our lives personally and as a nation as a people as as the church in the united states where where no amount of prayers no amount of tears no one's going to be able to touch heaven why turn to isaiah 59 glory Isaiah 59, why? Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor is his ear too dull to hear. So his arm is not too short. He can reach down and save you. His ear is not too dull. He can hear you. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. How long can God look on a culture that's offensive? that celebrates sin how long can God look on us corporately or individually rather well we hear gospel invitation after gospel invitation some of you are Christians some of you say praise God you're on your way to heaven but some of you hear an exhortation go for God stop stop being lukewarm stop being a pew sitter do something big for Jesus some of you have a calling on your life some of you obey it some of you don't If we say no to Jesus, he's going to turn his face from us. If we keep saying no, he's going to to say, fine, I'll find someone else. I'll find someone else. Lord, have mercy on us. God is near right now. I wasn't here to to, to scare you guys with, oh, you know, you're going to go to hell. Get right with God. Look, guys, that's very true. That's very real. There, There come a time in your lives and with us as a people. That if we keep rejecting God, our hearts will be so hard. We can never learn to love God. Psalm 95. As we just get ready, just stand up with me. Search your hearts. We're going to call people to respond.
If you're not saved tonight, if you know, I, I assume everybody here is a Christian or a believer, I don't know. If you don't believe in Jesus, search your heart. The Bible says there's no uh, forgiveness uh, without the shedding of blood. You need the blood of Jesus. Your sin's an offense before God. He needs to wash it with the blood. If you believe in Jesus and you know that, that something's not clicking, because they always say, oh, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. And you keep hearing that, and your heart gets harder as, as that happens. And you understand you don't have a relationship. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't believe in Jesus, search your heart. If you do, but you know there's a disconnect between what the Bible calls Christianity and what you call Christianity, search your heart. And for a third type of people, I want to encourage you, jump in the river. Get in. If you know God has been calling you, people have been telling you time after time, do your call. You're supposed to be preaching to God. What are you doing managing Piggly Wiggly? You should be a preacher. Come on, somebody. I'm just using an example here. Whatever we're doing that's disobeying the call of God. I have a friend right now who's backslidden his all get out, called to be a preacher, but he never humbled himself, never submitted to discipleship, never submitted to godly counsel. The Bible says if you keep rejecting counsel, if you keep rejecting godly wisdom, correction, rebuke, you would be suddenly destroyed without remedy. Psalm 95. Today, if you hear his voice, I'm in verse 7. Today, if you hear his voice, everyone say today. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day in Massa in the desert where your fathers tested and tried me. Though they saw what I did, you see, we've seen what God did. We've heard the word. For that third group of people that know they need to be doing something for Jesus. And they're not, and they're disobeying the call. Search your hearts. And we're going to call everybody up to the altars in a minute according to, to, to your need tonight. According to what you need to do today. According to what cannot wait a second longer. Because you know what? Tomorrow you may not have the chance. Tomorrow you may not feel the feeling you're having now. Tomorrow you may not have the conviction you're having now. You say, I'll do it in a month. I'll do it in six months. My friend, if you wait until you're better, until you, if you wait until you have everything in order, you'll never come. Today is the day. If, if, if you're here and you're on fire, you love Jesus and you know you're in his will, I just encourage you if, if you want more of Jesus, just to give some, some exhortations here. Don't be a critic of revival. One, don't be a critic. Don't look at what God's doing and say they're too, they speak in tongues too much. They preach on the street corner. I don't think that's effective. And don't get it in your head that it's all going to be fun and games. Working for, for God, working for Jesus is hard work. If we have revival tonight, my wife and I are not going home at the time we expected. We'd be here till 3 and 4 in the morning praying for people. Our time goes out the window. Our time is not our own. So let's just get this in our minds. If you want Jesus, I'm just going to call Berto up. He's going to continue what we're doing here. You just want to respond to the word. If you don't know God and you know today is the day and you can't wait another day and you don't want your heart to get hard at the end of your life, 
start coming up. If you know there's a disconnect, if you know your faith isn't what it should be or what it could be, and if you have a call and you know it and you're fighting it and you're wrestling God, you can come up and come up. Don't let the devil shame you. We're going to have our leaders please come up and begin to line up our leaders to pray for those that need prayer. As Jared mentioned, if you need prayer, if you need salvation,